Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best Saturday Night Live president. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Welcome to We Got This with Mark and Hal. The show that settles the debates nobody else will touch. And thanks to our pal, Johnny Fry, we have got a great one. Here in the States, President's Day was yesterday, if you're listening to this on release night. It was Monday the 20th. And in honor of that, we're going to talk about Saturday Night Live and their versions of the many presidents of the union over the years. Yeah, the show's been around for a while, so there are a lot of presidents to choose from, and there are a lot of presidents that had multiple impressions of them done on the show. Yeah, it's amazing to me. Every cast and era has someone who nails a presidential impression. Yeah. And starting the very beginning with Chevy Chase as Gerald Ford Mm -hmm. and Dan Aykroyd doing both Jimmy Carter and Richard Nixon in particular. His Richard Nixon is bonkers because they actually gave him prosthetic makeup and like a whole well, thing. Not originally. He did more of the slick back as Hitler. He didn't even shave his mustache. And Chevy Chase wore nothing. He was yeah. just doing a vert, like a send up of when President Ford had tripped on the stairs of Air Force One or tripped. I guess I'm thinking of, of the whole Ross Nixon version of Ackroyd. Yes. Later on, they put now it's much more prosthetic heavy. Even in the days of Dana Carvey, it was more like glasses, slick back the hair. But mm-hmm. now, now you have James Austin Johnson, who we'll talk about more later, but he's much more makeup heavy than what they give him, both doing Biden and doing Trump. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Hal. Yeah. You mentioned nailing it. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, and this is a binary question. What do you think is more important in nailing a presidential impression on Saturday Night Live? Do you think it is accuracy or do you think it is? creating your character i think they're both important i think on the one hand you have chevy chase doing something that's nothing like gerald ford Mm. and yet we all remember him as gerald ford because of that like that was such a big deal and such a breakout from that first season from him falling over on the christmas tree or the ladder or the stairs him talking to the dog sit sit Mm-hmm. The dog falling over. Like, that's just an iconic character that took a thing that happened and made it the entire, you know, it's not like a, a full Gerald Ford impression. Like, you could do a Gerald Ford impression. That's not what Chevy Chase does. He was never an impressionist. Yeah. Then Dan Aykroyd is much more like, he had to find something in Nixon. And then his Jimmy Carter was also like, he's building a character, but it has to sound like him in some way. Yeah. And Dan Aykroyd as both of those. Uh, by the way, uh, the way we should tackle this, I love, which we've just yeah. started. Let's go chronologically because we know okay. all the presidents in order. I feel like we should really start. They, they've done historic presidents mm-hmm. from before, but I really think we should go contemporaneous Nixon presidents, which does yeah. actually doesn't include Nixon. Or no, it does because of the first it, well, year. No, he was already no, he was already out of office. Already gone, he, he yeah. resigned in was it seventy four? Yeah, and then so it was Ford the year before over. the show. So Ford was president, but Nixon was still on, was still present at that time. Yeah, he was still around. Look at the the weird. I mean, I like you, you mentioned before them doing mm-hmm. 
nothing to these, you know, them doing nothing to make themselves look like the president. Again, the mustache thing for both Carter and Nixon. But mm-hmm. there is that one weird Tim Kazarinsky, Dan Aykroyd, Richard Nixon interview where they straight up made him like a full. It looks like he's wearing a president mask from Point Break. Like he is yes. straight up in rubber. So let's start with those. Do you want to go about this where we pick the best person to play each president and then put those performances against one another? Yes, I think that's a okay. great idea. Great, great. So you keep idea. notes. You, you keep notes on this. Okay. On who's winning? All right. So first, even though he predates the show by a year, we've got Dan Aykroyd's uh, Richard Nixon, which is great. It's fun. Richard Nixon's not a hard impression to do. You and I both have done a Richard Nixon before. We can both sure. do it very quickly. Yeah. And then uh, Gerald Ford. Chevy Chase is just doing Chevy Chase. Yes. It is the only he's the he gets to walk. Both of these are walks, even though five different yeah. people have played Nixon on the show. Nobody's mm-hmm. like as great as Tony Rosado was. And Piscopo was a really piv- I feel like people forget because Piscopo didn't. He sort of like turned into I work out a lot. And that became his thing is like, yeah, eugenics. But yeah. he was a huge cast member. That is the worst name for a company of all time. Yeah, it's too close. Even though five people played it and Piscopo is one of them, I think Piscopo can contend elsewhere. Yeah. He contends as a Reagan, but we'll get to yeah, that. Yeah, he contends as a Reagan, but he does not contend as a Nixon. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd is Nixon. He, even when they did all the ex-presidents coming back to haunt, was it Obama? They all come yeah. to talk to Obama. He was coming in as Nixon. Like, he is Nixon. That is his, yeah. you, you know, you don't go to, to Rich Little, you go to him. Yeah. Gerald Ford, obviously Chevy Chase. He's the only one mm-hmm. that did it. Uh, Jimmy Carter, also a Dan Aykroyd character. Well, yeah. And you, you get into like really good, like here, this is the murderer's row that have played Jimmy Carter on SNL. You have Dan Aykroyd, Joe Piscopo, Dana Carvey, Michael McKean, and Daryl Hammond. That's a great list. Yes. Though I, I think we have to give the edge. If we're not looking at past presidents, Going back to Washington, as portrayed by SNL cast members, mm-hmm. I think the edge has to go to people who played those individual presidents at the time that they were the president. I agree with you. You know what I mean? I think Aykroyd's is iconic. It is. And especially the Jimmy Carter as hippie bit mm-hmm. is so fun. The idea that Jimmy Carter doing the call-in show with the drugs is so, so funny to me. Right, took some orange sunshine. <laughs> yeah, and it was. It I think introduced the idea on the show of an impression that isn't that has nothing to do with that uh, president, but mixing it with an actual impression of the president. You know what I mean? Well, it's it's playing off of how folksy he was. Yeah, and how like connected he was to things. The youth. Well, the, and like, and he was and all how, about youth culture and hippies yes. and music. The musicians were what got him elected, and so sure. Yeah, I think that that hook is really, really funny to me. Great writing for that as well. Yeah, really well right, done. Now, now we've Let's got go to the our, Reagans. This is our big fight. Mm-hmm. This is a big fight. And there's... Ugh. So you have... Here are all the people who did it in chronological order of the first time that they did it. You have mm-hmm. Chevy Chase, then Harry Shearer, then Charles Rocket. So this is when he's actually in office. Joe Piscopo. Randy Quaid did it the one year that he was in the cast. Yeah. Robin Williams did it once... When he hosted in maybe the best Reagan sketch that they ever did. I don't know if and I know that Reagan sketch. That is a sketch where he, they bring a child in and mm-hmm. he's like, Oh, well, it's, 
it's so nice to meet you. And he's like doddering. And then as soon as they leave, he's like, Oh, everybody get in here. Let's take no, a look. No, that back. wasn't, that wasn't, was that, oh, was that Reagan? Phil? Was that, that Phil was Hartman? Phil. That was my, that's my favorite Reagan sketch. And that's why Phil oh, Hartman is my Phil personal. Hartman. Oh, that my was God. Hartman. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was that Phil Hartman, Phil Hartman playing the dichotomy. Yes, uh, that's uh, right. Very sweet Reagan yes. that everybody saw oh on God. camera and yeah. pure villain, like, uh, you know, warmonger Reagan. Like it was, I thought his Reagan had the most to say specifically in that sketch. Yeah. And it's a you know great, I mean? like Phil Hartman. Uh, I mean, we have not done the best overall cast member at SNL and I really want to do it because I could talk yeah. about SNL all day and all night. Of course. I think it's fascinating to look at. And Phil Hartman is one of the best. He is a top yeah. 1% cast member. And I feel like, you, like you forget how good his impressions were. Yeah. Like his Sinatra was so good. And again, you're pairing him with like the writing of Robert Smigel. Mm-hmm. I got chunks of guys like you on my stool. Like perfect. So great and such a great performance of the character. I would give it to Phil Hartman for sure. Although Piscopo did a really good Reagan as well. Yeah. Piscopo also did a really good Sinatra. He did. I mean, that was his like bread and butter. Like yeah. Frank loves my, you know, I mean, he was sincerely into Frank Sinatra also. Yeah. But I think that this one for that one sketch, if nothing yeah. else, has to go to Phil Hartman. Because that sort of beginning of the sketch version of Reagan is so realistic and so specific. And the mm-hmm. second the Girl Scout leaves, the sketch gets some bite to it and has something to say about who Reagan was and what he did. Yes. So, yeah, that one's got to go to Phil. Yeah. All right. So after Phil Hartman, there is no I don't even think anyone else did this president, did they? They did. Jim Downey did him when he was vice president. Okay. Then Dana Carvey. Of course, he appeared as himself, which a number of presidents have over the years. Dana mm-hmm. Carvey comes back to do him again yeah, multiple times. And then Fred Armisen did him in 2005 gotcha. once. But, but we're talking nobody... about George H.W. Bush. This is a contender for the podium. Oh, my goodness. Everybody's impression of George H.W. Bush is an impression of Dana Carvey's impression. Yeah, George H.W. Bush. And he's like, so, Dan Carvey's a really interesting guy. I don't know if you listen to the podcast he does with David Spade. I don't. Flying I'd like to wall. start. Yeah. Yeah. It's the two of them interviewing XSNL people, but he is like on all the time. He'll jump into characters, jump into impressions. He has that energy. So he figured, you know, that was his like, uh, for anybody who is too young to have watched SNL in from the, from 86 to 93 when he was in the cast. He is one of the greatest cast members of all time. Yeah. He was the undisputed star of that show. It like in everything original oh, yeah. Wayne's world, church lady. Yeah. But, I mean, his George, like figuring out the thousand points of light, knock on that. Wouldn't, wouldn't be, be prudent. prudent at this juncture. Everybody, what's what we're all doing. He's created yeah. an impression that has that even when George H.W. Bush did the show, he, he was playing into the knock on doubt. Yeah. The George H.W. Bush did Dana Carvey's impression of George H.W. Bush. Yes. I mean, that is, uh, that is hard to beat. I also love the handoff sketch with Phil Hartman as Clinton when he's moving in to the, to the White House and George H.W. Bush has the breakdown. He goes, I'm a one termer. I'm a Jimmy Carter. <laughs> 
Oh, so yeah, good. that's it's such a great impression. Yeah, yeah, and even the laugh that that yeah. sort of like snicker and laugh is it's it's perfect. They also <laughs> they also did the great sketch where he's I think he's hunting with George W. Bush with Will mm. Ferrell's George W. Bush, and they're doing like an advice of men. Oh, they're hunting. And he's like, yeah, go ahead, just just a few feet further, <laughs> just setting him out into the woods. So terrible. You mentioned Phil Hartman's mm-hmm. Bill Clinton. Let's move forward in time now to Bill Clinton, because there are two. This is a battle right here. And this, I think, goes to what I was talking about before of do you want to create a character or do you want an accurate impression? And there are two men on the show who have famously played Bill Clinton. And I remember I was watching the show at the time and I loved Phil Hartman as Clinton. I thought he was hilarious. I thought I was right at that sweet spot, early teenage, like, you know, 13 years old watching him play this cool Southern, uh, you know, this Arkansas hillbilly who likes McDonald's and flirting with yeah. girls. Like that's his, and Phil Hartman created this version of Bill Clinton that is his own and is so specific when he goes into a McDonald's and tries to figure out how to just eat everyone's food. Like he's, he creates a metaphor. He creates a, he creates a, a, a speech that's entirely based around just eating whoever is in there's food. And he's wearing those tiny little shorts that Bill Clinton yes. used to wear. Yeah. It was really, it was, really funny. Yeah. That was when he was running for president. Yeah. Famously but then, loved eating. Then Daryl Hammond came along and did a pitch perfect impression of Bill Clinton. And and that to me was that felt like a major shift in the way that I just as a viewer of the show and as a fan and the way that I watched impressions as of just as a fan of comedy in general, because it was like I had seen I'd grown up seeing Dana Carvey's George H.W. Bush and then uh, Phil Hartman's Bill Clinton. And neither these guys were characters. They were they were SNL characters. And then along comes this guy who is one of the greatest impressionists of all time. And he is doing an accurate impression. And that to me was a game changer. Yeah. I mean, his, his Clinton is, is so good. I remember seeing it for the first time going, Oh, Phil Hartman was just doing a character that kind of sounded like Bill Clinton. And he, he definitely got stuff. It's not like it was bad at all, yeah. but it's so he, he, such a good impression. What's your favorite Daryl Hammond impression? I'm just curious. My favorite Daryl Hammond impression is Bill Clinton. And I'll tell you my favorite Daryl Hammond, Bill Clinton moment, which was right after he had beaten the rat with the whole Monica Lewinsky scandal. Mm-hmm. And it was, we are awaiting the president's press conference. And Daryl Hammond just walks up to the mic with pure swagger and just says, I am bulletproof and walks off. And that was the whole sketch. <laughs> and it was hilarious. And it was perfectly executed. Who's your favorite Daryl Hammond impression? I think it's Chris Matthews is so good. Yeah, it's pretty Especially, funny. especially at the end when he would just go, that oh. one with deal with that one hotball. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he figures out these vocal patterns. Cause like, if you watch him facially, he's generally not doing a lot. Probably more as Clinton than any of the other characters. Yeah. It's his a voice. Lot of times he's, and he's under makeup. He's under makeup as Clinton. Yeah. More so than I think he's got a little bit more going on in terms of prosthetics than Phil Hartman did. Which certainly helps, but the impression, if it was a bad impression, mm-hmm. it just wouldn't work. And we're going to yeah. go, we're going to talk about 
uh, in a little bit an impression that had decent prosthetics and wig work that just doesn't work at all, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. I, I think Daryl Hammond is the winner here. I agree with you. Yeah. As great as Phil, it's weird to see, uh, well, at least Phil Hartman has survived. I thought maybe he could take two presidents, but at least no. we have him as Reagan. Yeah. He's, uh, his Reagan is, is really, really fun. Yeah. This, but the next one, Daryl Hammond was a game changer. Absolutely. And the next one that we're looking at, the next president after Bill Clinton, of course, I think we went back to, in my opinion, maybe the best, if not the best, uh, one of the all time great versions of presidential impression as rounded character created not to be an accurate impression, but to be a really funny, well-rounded character whose point of view is so specific and not it's a specific exaggeration of a few elements of the actual president and not meant to be a very specific detailed impression of him. And that is, of course, the impression that after he left SNL, he won a Tony for mm-hmm. and maybe an Emmy. Uh, and that's Will Ferrell's George W. Yeah. I mean, you know, an impression is interesting. I think an impression is different. I think in an impersonation, you're trying to capture them wholly. Yeah. An impression is exactly that. Like, you know, if somebody leaves yeah. an impression in the sand when they walk, you can intuit some things about them with an impression of a famous or notorious individual. You're trying mm-hmm. to hit as many bases as possible. And yeah. he hit on. The idea of, of like the spoiled frat guy, the guy who is in over his head, but doesn't know it, like all of the gaffes that he made, mm-hmm. this, there is, there was, there wasn't, continues to be a, like a smirk that George W. Bush yeah. sort of walks through light, like, Hey, wait, isn't this all cool on president? Like all that stuff. He captured it so well that when you were watching it in real time, you're like, this is a great imp-. And Will Ferrell is not an impressions guy. No. He would be the first, second, and third person. To- His Robert Goulet is not an impression of Robert Goulet. It's him doing it's hilarious. Ron Burgundy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's just created a character out of him. And it's great. It, it, it works. But that's, that's impressionism. It, that's- it is. But this one, he hits so many different bases of mm-hmm. who, who we thought George W. Bush was that you look at it and go like, that's a really good impression. He sounds just like him and he looks just like him. You're pulled into it and it creates like a, a like a magic eye illusion where it yeah. looks like like more than it actually is. And that's what's brilliant about it. And he's a great actor as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great impression. Again, the guy won a Tony for it. Or it was either a Tony or an Emmy or both. But I know that it was that impression lived on after he left the show and he did yes. it and he took it with him. All right. So you want to take a quick break? I think we only have three more. I say we pick the final three and then we're going to have to really dig into it. Okay. Let's jump into Obama. I think that Fred Armisen did a decent voice impression of him, but also like mm. basically they put him into blackface. Yeah. yeah Jay really. Farrow's Obama was great. Yeah. Jay Farrow nailed him. But Jay Farrow's a great impressionist in the vein of a guy like Daryl Hammond where Jay Farrow executes perfectly. And I'd say more so than Daryl Hammond. Jay Farrow physically executes. Oh, my gosh. In addition to executing the voice that Daryl Hammond always got the voice right. Yes. Jay Farrow gets the voice right and he physicalizes these presidents or these uh, characters beautifully, whether oh. it's Denzel or Eddie Murphy or Barack Obama, any of the president or any of the uh, characters he's doing. Watch him on any talk show go from Chris Rock to Eddie Murphy to Kevin Hart. Oh, yeah. They're so good. He was like a huge loss when he left SNL. 
That yeah, was a huge absolutely. loss for them. He was he was on a way too short a time. Yes. All right. So he wins that one. Let's move on to Donald Trump. And this contains what I think might be the worst portrayal of a president, which was Alec Baldwin for the entirety of his term as president. I don't I, hate the impression because here's why. The thing I love about Alec Baldwin's impression of Donald Trump, which was not a very good impression. It was not physically accurate. It was not vocally accurate. But what it was, was it was aimed. It was aimed at the person who he was playing, who he knew hated his impression of him and hated that the show allowed him to do the impression of him and that he only came on the show to do that impression. So it felt to me like four years of Alec Baldwin's impression was just him with his finger in Donald Trump's face going, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. So that element of the impression I thought was a lot of fun. And that's exactly why it doesn't work for me. And I think the other reason why is when you have a a figure like that without being political, who yeah. is so wildly outrageous and over the top, and mm-hmm. your job in comedy is to come over the top of that, like you can't, you might as well just show transcripts of what happened. So every time they tried to go over the top of it, it just didn't work. And that idea of, not that it was punching down in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. but the fact that it just felt like it came from an angry, you're a bad person place, which, which yeah. whether that's justified or not doesn't work on a comedy show. That's why that stuff generally fell flat. And I thought it was a, I didn't care for the performance personally, but yeah. so, so be, it, like you look through all these people who did it and you go like, how do you figure this guy out to the point where you have to take the wind out of him? Yeah. And along comes James Austin Johnson, like out of it nowhere, the guy who's, who's a standup who worked primarily in commercials and figures mm-hmm. out this, not only is like a Daryl Hammond esque impressionist, but figures out this thing of like making weird connections back and forth. Yeah. And it's so good. And maybe part of it is he had the benefit of coming in when all of the madness had kind of subsided. He was no longer actively in office. So now we get a version of him and we're we're about to see a lot more of it. If he, sure, you know, considering that he's running in 2024, but they figured out a way to take what was ridiculous about him and heighten it without making it an attack on his character because that's yeah. where it falls flat whether you agree with it or not just from a technical i love comedy and i love snl perspective i think mm-hmm. that's why this works so much better well i think that yeah i think i would agree with you 100 percent. i think that one thing that he does is where alec baldwin is pulling the low-hanging fruit and he's getting the stuff that everybody is making fun of donald trump for which is you know Pointing out, look, he's mean. He's ill-suited to the office. What I think that James Austin Johnson does that's so beautiful is he takes little details and his his impression is so subtle and so small mm-hmm. at times. And he takes these details like, hey, his weird stream of consciousness talking where he talks himself into a corner and then has to kind of BS his way out of it is it's so sublime and it's so funny. And he took a thing that no one else was doing. Everybody mm-hmm. was doing the big, broad Donald Trump impression. He is doing a tiny, pitch perfect Donald Trump impression of things about him that are just, yeah, it's not, it's not the things that make people angry. Again, we don't talk politics on this show, 
But there are a lot of things that make people angry about Donald Trump. Sure. He doesn't take the things that make people angry. He takes the tiny, ridiculous things. Yes. He plays him as a guy who believes he's talking intelligently and is just making word soup. And yeah. it's so fun to watch. And then they do the ESPN where you have a, a this one list and you just have words that he's going to connect to one another. Yeah. Even down to like doing wordles, like they're, they're, fi- they figured it out. And none too soon to have it figured out. Also, like getting rid of the stunt casting, like moving into, I, we agree with James Austin Johnson wins this one, right? Yeah. James Austin Johnson wins this one. So when we move into Joe Biden, the stunt casting never it's worked. It's weird. Woody no. Harrelson, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey? Come on. No. Jason Sudeikis had a great take on Biden. His, t- his Biden like, was perfect. Does he count though? Because he was vice president era Biden. He did come in and play him, I think after he was elected or like shortly after yeah. he was elected. Now, you have James Austin Johnson doing him, who again, it sounds so much like him. If you could mm-hmm. take the craziness of Jason Sudeikis' character, which is like this cool Joe wearing ice cream, yeah. the big teeth, like, I'm from, I'm from Hard Scrabble Scranton. I, yeah. I punched a nun in the face. Like, he, I he, love that version of him though. Yes. It's very, very Sudeikis energy that he brings into it. Yeah. But I think James Austin Johnson's is better. Yeah. It's accurate, but I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if it is like, again, and it comes down to that debate of accuracy, like, uh, of an impersonation versus an impression. James Austin Johnson's doing an impersonation. Mm-hmm. Jason Sudeikis was doing an impression. I think the world needed an impersonation of Donald Trump because everyone was doing an impression of him. Mm-hmm. I argue maybe that we benefit more from an impression of Joe Biden than from an accurate impersonation of Joe Biden. So you want to go with Sudeikis? I mean, though, I do like the idea that this guy is killing it right now. James Austin Johnson on the show currently is killing it. He's the current president. And I don't mind him coming in with two victories. I just don't okay. know what they're going to do during debates. What happens during debates in 2024? I mean, they did it with Dana Carvey. He did yeah. Ross Perot and George H.W. Bush. That's true. Just do some pre-tapes. Yep. All right. Can always be done. Make David Spade sit in for him again. He was the stand-in. He thought he was going to play Ross Perot. So funny. (laughs) My favorite David Spade story. We'll be back and we're going to winnow this down to figure out who is the tops. We've gone president by president. But before we get back to the fun debate, here's another bit of fun information for you. This show happens because of the support of Max Fund members. And if you're a Max Fund member who supports us, number one, thank you. Number two, there are a lot of other great shows on Max Fund that you might also want to support if you're not doing so already. We're going to share a couple of those with you. You're listening to We Got This with Mark and Hal. We'll be right back. Since the dawn of time, man has dreamed of bringing life back from the dead. From Orpheus and Eurydice to Frankenstein's monster, resurrection has long been merely the stuff of myth, fiction, and fairy tale. Until now. Actually, we still can't bring people back from the dead. That would be crazy. But the Dead Pilot Society podcast has found a way to resurrect great dead comedy pilots from Hollywood's finest writers. Every month, Dead Pilot Society brings you a reading of a comedy pilot that was sold and developed but never produced, performed by the funniest actors from film and television. How does Dead Pilot Society achieve this miracle? The answer can only be found at MaximumFun.org. Hello, dreamers. This is Evelyn Denton, CEO of the only world-class, fully immersive theme resort, Steeplechase. You know, I've been seeing more and more reports on the blogs that our beloved park simply isn't safe anymore. Mur- murdered them? 
I'm gonna wreck it. They say they got mugged by brigands in the fantasy kingdom of Ephemera, or hijacked by space pirates in Infinitum. I mean, I could have a knife. My papa said that I needed to do a crime. Friends, I'm here to reassure you that it's all part of the show. These criminals were really just overzealous staff trying to make things a little more magical for our guests. We're just as safe as we've always been. This isn't a county fair, dreamers. This is Steeplechase. The Adventure Zone. Every Thursday at MaximumFun.org. And we're back. I feel that every time we come back. Hal, I think I've narrowed this down to four. And tell me if you would agree that these are the four contenders. Go ahead. The four contenders are our presidential winners. George H.W. Bush. That's Dana Mm -hmm. Carvey. Sure. George W. Bush. That's Will Ferrell. Sure. Bill Clinton. That's Daryl Hammond. Mm Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump, that's James Austin Johnson. I realize I did those slightly out of order. You know what? I think so, too. You think those are the four? I think those are the four. And you know what's funny is there are, we have evenly split between impersonations and impressions. We have Mm. two impersonations and two impressions. Do you want to pit them against one another in that way? I mean. How do you want to get this down? I guess we can, you know what? Yeah, we can have that debate. We can have the debate between impersonations and impressions. That'll get us down to two. And then it might be easy from there. Okay. Yeah. Now, then now we're getting more existential in this and broadening it out, but we're narrowing it down by broadening it out is an impression or an impersonation. I started to say, is it more, which is more impressive, which is more, you know, which is more, which is the bigger feat. But I guess the, the real thing is which serves the show better. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's it's almost hard to go that way because they're different eras and you need different yeah. things at different times. That's true. The show is such a juggernaut and has swung so wildly with the times. OK, maybe we can't look at it that way. Maybe we have to look at which one of these just was emblematic of their moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's tough. It's like George H.W. Bush seems like kind of an uh, forgive me, an uneventful not inconsequential because he, you know, he was a very consequential president and a consequential uh, CIA director and a consequential vice president and all that. But I don't know how important Dana Carvey's impression of him was outside of the fact that it's just a perfect impression that I think supersedes the presidency itself. Not the presidency, but that particular presidency. I think that you're maybe underselling the cultural impact of that impression. Yeah, I probably And the fact that he took a one-term president who had had some notable things. I mean, the throwing up on the the Japan. Right. The playing that. Like, just anything that happened, you wanted to see what his take on it was going to be. Yeah, that's true. You were looking forward to. That was a highlight. Like, oh, I can't wait to see what they do with this. I can't wait to see Dana Carvey as George H.W. Bush. Yeah. His character made that presidency even more interesting yeah that's a very good point for the audience which is something that none of these other well with the exception maybe of world feral that's what those two have in common the george w bush presidency was much more consequential in terms mm-hmm. of the things that happened in terms sure. of the swing he had from barely getting into office to being the hero in the wake of 9-11 to being more despised and, and much more divisive later or mm-hmm. throughout all of a second term, but heading into a second term for sure, as the war that was started became less and less popular. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, that's a very consequential president. And they had to deal with a lot of different things going on using a guy who's always going to bring you the lighter side of things. Mm-hmm. And that's, I guess then it comes down to the question of what is SNL's job? You know what I mean? Like I look at Will Ferrell's George W. Bush as an absolutely brilliant character that, and I hate to say it because I love this character. I love his version of W, but it's toothlessness may have painted a rosier picture of that particular president than it softened the edges. Whereas Phil Hartman's Reagan, we got to see a decent impression of Reagan, but also a pretty biting satire on Reagan. Yeah. Will Ferrell's W didn't have much to say about W's actions or didn't have as much to say about W's actions. Though I guess the argument goes that none of these really do. You know what I mean? Right. But Daryl Hammond's Clinton never did, you know, like, and I guess that's part of the beauty of SNL. It's got to appeal to a giant audience. So its job is to point out the ridiculousness and the folly rather than the politically divisive decisions and actions. Right. When it's done from outrage and the outrage comes through in the writing, then you get it with Alec Baldwin. Well, it's just hard to get people to pay attention who don't agree with you. We can all, you know. It's not about finding commonality as much, I think, as like, there's nothing wrong with having something to say. There's certainly nothing wrong with satire. There's nothing wrong with pointed satire. Mm-hmm. I think it's the manner in which it's made. And then for SNL, you're making a show that's broadcast to the entire country. Yeah. And not that you have to make it for your audience, but I do think that that's part of it. That's part of putting a show together is what's more important than anything is that it be funny and yeah. funny trumps. That seems to be Lorne Michaels' guiding light, is it has to be funny. It can't just be, we're angry and need to say something. And there have been times in the show where that's felt appropriate, like Cecily Strong's, after the Supreme Court decision, her Weekend Update anchor piece, Mm -hmm. where she tried to come in as a character and then just like sort of had a breakdown about it and had something to say. That was perfectly placed and a perfect piece about that. Those cold opens, you got to make people laugh. There's an element of... Sometimes it's like, well, they're going to have to say something about this. And sometimes you go in going, I can't wait to see what they say about this. I can't wait to see their version of it. And that ebbs and flows over the natural course of the show. And it depends. Like now we're putting it, you're almost putting it in the writer's court. Yeah, that's true. I think that, and I think that's a big part of it. It's not, the impression is any character, and I've always maintained this as a performer, Mm -hmm. any character is a combination of the work of three entities the writer the performer and the director sure and that it takes all three of those to create a character and there have been times in snl's history when the writer's room like to jab a little harder and you know and sting a little more but maybe the times called for george w bush to sneak those uh bits of really pointed satire into the sweet delicious cookie that was will ferrell's impression you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're a spoonful of sugar with the medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I don't know. This is a, this is a really tough one. I just want to clear our heads and shake ourselves out really mm-hmm. quickly. Yeah. And we'll come right back to this because I thought of something that I don't think should go uncommented upon. Mm. And that is one of the SNL all time great non presidential presidential performances. And I got to give a shout out to Amy Poehler's Hillary Clinton. 
I know she was never the president, but Amy Poehler's and, and Kate McKinnon's was great. Amy Poehler's Hillary Clinton is one of the all time hilarious SNL impressions. I just wanted to throw that out there just while we're stewing on the headier elements. I just wanted to give her a quick shout out because it's so funny and it's so great. Yeah. I mean, Daryl Hemmons, John McCain was great too. Yeah. And Tina Fey's Sarah Palin was also fantastic. And yeah. Jason Sudeikis' Mitt Romney was really great. They were all great, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Anyway. Larry David is Bernie Sanders. I mean, that's come like on. One piece. That's the one piece where, yes, you need to cast as a celebrity because everybody says it like the yeah. parallels instantly recognizable. Yeah. So. Although James Adomian does a fantastic Bernie Sanders. Bernie's really good. Him and, and Tony Atamanek, uh, their, 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 their debates. Yeah. Their debate, Trump Sanders debates is so, so good. So very good. Yeah. There's one more thing I want to say about Will Ferrell's George W. Let's get back to the, that was just a little side. That was a little yeah. quick break to clear our minds. It seemed like we were getting, uh, really in the weeds. No, the thing I was thinking about with George W. Bush. And that version of him is George W. Bush always appeared to be someone who had everybody else doing like he was sort of the puppet and the real people in control were like Carl Rove and mm-hmm. David Cheney. So him being like the, Hey, I can't, but can you believe I'm president is really cool. Like that is what the perception was of him. Yeah. So it allowed you to play on that and how, like, I think you're supposed to watch it and go like, I can't believe this guy is president. Like yeah, this, that's a good point. That our president is like a deranged golden retriever puppy. Yeah. Can I just point something out? Yeah. At first, we said we were going to look at the impressions versus the impersonations mm. and focus on that. And then we wound up veering off and not doing that. But it sounds like in doing that, all of our focus has been on the bushes, which are the two impressions. Mm-hmm. More so than the impersonations. I think that as a technical feat, an incredible impersonation it shook me when I first saw Clinton. It it dumbfounded me when I saw Trump. But I think it's going to be one of the two Bushes. And I think that the impression leaves a more lasting impact than the impersonation does. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Wait, I want to make sure I follow. We're going down to Carvey and Farrell, right? We're going down to Carvey and Farrell. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. As much yeah. as I love James Austin Johnson hasn't ever had enough time. Yeah. But the fact that it's so good. Yeah. Like the first time I saw it, I, I, I was dumbfounded. Like my jaw hit the floor. Nobody does because everybody does certain aspects of Trump. He picked aspects that no one else does. Yeah. Number one, it's he sounds just like him. Yeah. And if you, there's a clip of him on Seth Meyers where he does the younger Donald Trump as well, which I always loved. Daryl Hammond's version of Trump, like doing uh, ads for The Apprentice mm-hmm. and just not know, like, not really being aware, but like always the, uh, the apprentice, like, or him dressed as Dracula, but always doing this weird subdued thing. Quickly to throw this in, you remember who else had a great Donald Trump back in the day? Phil Hartman. Sure. Remember the, 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 the sketch where he's going over his divorce with Ivana? As Ivana, yeah. 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 And it was, as long as you know, you will be paid in the giant stone coin of the Yap Islanders. Yeah. I mean, come on. So good. Anyway. But not only did the, was the impression great, but I was like, oh, they figured out how to do it. Yeah. They figured out a way to, they, like, they nailed it. It's so good. But it, it I, I don't think it can win. I think Daryl Hammond's Bill Clinton is iconic and he got to do it for pretty much the entirety of his second term. Mm-hmm. When all, when a lot of the crazy stuff was happening and it is a great character, but I think it has to come down to the bushes. Yeah. So now the big question is, 
Dana Carvey affecting the presidency of George H.W. Bush, literally affecting it to where George H.W. Bush was doing an impression of Dana Carvey doing an impression of him. It comes down to that or Will Ferrell giving both his and the writer's room's impression of a very consequential presidency and sneaking some medicine in with the sugar, but so much sugar and so, so funny. They're both so good. It's hard. And I watched pretty much every second of both of them. Absolutely. And Dana Carvey did George H.W. Bush for six years. Cause he started in 87 when he was vice president. And then yeah. that goes, and that goes into like him announcing and all of the debates, including the thousand points of light, all this stuff. And John yeah. Lovitz as Michael Dukakis. I can't believe I'm losing, I'm to, this losing guy. to this guy. So good. <laughs> so good. It's just it like it. It's so good. And it's such a like landmark impression from a guy who really was the show in his era. Mm-hmm. Both of them were. Both of them yeah. were the undisputed stars of their casts. Yeah. And Will Ferrell only did it for three years before coming back later on. Mm-hmm. And it was a big deal. And this year, he did win a Tony for it. I'm pretty sure he did win an Emmy for it also. But I think I have to go with Dana Carvey. I think he set a bar. He elevated the presidential impression to a place where it hadn't been before. Like, you know, Reagan was passed around a lot. Reagan was in office for eight years. That spans like the Domanian era into the Ebersol era into the return yeah. of Lord Michaels and the superstar cast and then the Randy Quaid year. And then every, like, so it had a lot of different people taking cracks at it. And Phil Hartman's was very, very good. But then he came in and his, I think he set a standard for doing a presidential impression that has carried through everything after him more so than what Aykroyd did. More so than what Piscopo, Piscopo. Yeah, he changed, he changed the game. He changed the game and really set a standard and also elevated the importance of George H.W. Bush's presidency culturally. Yeah. In the zeitgeist. And I think it's hard to, he had the benefit of doing it in the early nineties versus a time when there were even more choices of things. Like there's just a little slightly more concentrated audience at that point. Sure. So I think I have to give it to Dana Carvey's George H.W. Bush. What do you mean I have to give it? I, no, I'm saying that would be my choice. <laughs> What's wrong with you? What is this? Yeah, I think that he set the gold standard in the way that it had not been set before. Yeah. And Will Ferrell, like, he set the bar and Will Ferrell cleared the bar. But I think we have to give it to the one who set the bar. And really moved it. I mean, moved it way up. Yeah. You know, still doing it. That impression remains relevant. Yeah. And that's, we're talking. That impression is, like you said, when you do an impression of George H.W. Bush, you're doing Dana Carvey's George H.W. Bush. Yeah. Everyone is. You, you could say the same thing for Will Ferrell, to be fair. A lot of people now doing his impression of George W. I will say, though, that, yes, you're right. I will say that there's the perfect alchemy of writer, director, and performer happened during one of the debate performances of Will Ferrell as George W. Bush. And that is, of course, can you describe your presidency 
in one word or describe your campaign in one word, whatever it was. The director put Will Ferrell in a close up. Will Ferrell nailed the impression and the writer invented the word strategery. It is it is Jim a Downey. perfect moment. It's a perfect SNL moment. I'm pretty sure that was Jim Downey who came up with that. It's very Jim Downey. Yeah. But also Lockbox. That was is that the same sketch? I don't remember Lockbox. Lockbox was, Lockbox was part of I think it was part of that part of one of those debates. I mean, for that one. But yeah, I think that Dana Carvey did more for HW, but like I keep coming back. I, I try to, I want to give it to Will Ferrell because you know, I love me a Tony winner and a Broadway man, but I keep coming back to the fact that George HW Bush knew that the version of him that the world knew was Dana Carvey's version and he embraced it and he did it. So yeah, I'm fully comfortable with that. There you go. People of the world. Oh God. Thousand points of light coming. Together to make a decision wouldn't be prudent at this juncture not to decide best presidential impersonation on SNL goes to Dana Carvey's George Herbert Walker Bush. Asked and answered. Wait, can I change my answer? It's Hal Lublin's Dana Carvey's George H.W. Bush. (laughs) Where do you hear about chopping broccoli? It's crazy, by the way. Yeah. It's weird to plug another podcast on this podcast, but Fly on the Wall with Dana Carvey and, and David Spade. And the people that they have on, I'm listening to Jimmy Fallon right now. And oh, he's, cool. He's talking to Dana Carvey. He's like, you're the reason I wanted to be on SNL. I saw you and you made me want to. That's the whole reason I was on the show is because I wanted to be like you. Yeah. So he like, again, if you weren't there watching, you have no appreciation of how huge he was and how huge that impression was. But you still like echoes through just the fibers of the show, what he yeah. did while he was there, like almost unlike anybody else. Yeah. He's on the Olympic pedestal for SNL cast members without a doubt. And this impression is one of those reasons why. So this topic is asked and answered. And closed, but there are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets or email us at We Got This Podcast at gmail.com or head to our Facebook group. Let's talk about SNL together, please. I could do this all day. Facebook.com slash group slash We Got This Podcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume. You can support him at patreon.com slash Ken Plume. Thank you also to researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world. I have to say thank you to you right now. It wouldn't be prudent at this juncture to not thank you right now. And thanks for letting Hal and I reminisce about something that we obviously both loved back in the day and still love very much as we love you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin, and don't worry, everybody. We got this. We got this. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.